0: Wellness Force Radio, episode 33.
1: Our bodies, our minds, our energy, our spirits, our environment, the earth, everything is speaking to us constantly. We don't hear it. And it's not training ourselves to hear it. It's shutting off all the noise and simply relaxing enough. It's there all the time. It's talking to us constantly. We don't hear it. And we don't know what to do even if we do hear it
0: wellness force radio welcome back for another episode i am your host and digital health coach josh trent thanks so much for sharing a small slice of your day with me here on the podcast if you're here for the very first time wellness force radio is where i bring you the most inspiring and passionate experts in behavior change and wellness technology these are thought leaders they dedicate their lives to empowering others with the knowledge and tools that drive real transformation in our physical and emotional wellness. Today's show is proudly brought to you by wellnessforce.com. We have some exciting transformation groups starting February 15th of 2016. Head on over to wellnessforce.com and see if digital health coaching is right for you. If you're using your iPhone right now, whip it out, tap the show logo on the screen, and you'll see all the links to download easily from today's interview with Adam right there on your iPhone. Hit the review link in purple and take just 30 seconds to leave an honest review to be published live on iTunes. Your amazing five-star review allows me to keep the lights on for the show and to keep serving this community by bringing on world-class people who are making a difference and changing lives. Just like today's guest, Adam Farah, as the author of The Paleo Dieter's Missing Link an integrative coach and health and wellness professional, Adam helps clients globally in their health evolution in what he calls quantum evolution. He has a BS in chemistry from the University of Connecticut. He is a kettlebell teacher certified through IKFF. He's a CrossFit level one trainer. He's also a former CrossFit affiliate owner. As an author, blogger, and contributor to the wellness community, Adam's voice is powerfully felt in his articles on Paleo Magazine and on his blog. Adam, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, man. Thank you so much for that introduction. I appreciate that.
0: You are well known from your articles on Paleo Magazine. You're a blogger. You're a successful author. But what's something fun, Adam, that people might not know about you?
1: Oh, boy. Well, um, I have five cats. Uh, <laughs> and I really, I know it's so ridiculous, but uh, no, I have, a, I have a big thing for animals. I have cats. I have a dog. I have snakes. I have, uh, you know, that. I, I, I. I I do a lot of different silly things. I I used to collect toys. We'll we'll talk about that because I actually sold my entire toy collection. We can talk about minimizing and that kind of stuff. But um, just yeah, I'm kind of a geek. You know, I'm kind of just like a fun, silly, geeky kind of person. I like cartoons, and I I like I like. toys and comic books and that nerdy Big Bang Theory kind of stuff.
0: Well, that's okay. Nerds run the world. I mean, Bill Gates was one of the biggest nerds ever, and look what he did. (laughs) Well, I'm excited about today's show because we're going to jump into and really explore what practical spirituality is. Yes, of course, we're going to talk about what's moved the needle for Adam and his clients, what this quantum evolution is. But Adam, you recently wrote this post and it was about spirituality, health, and healing. What was the catalyst? Why did you write this post? Um, I'll link this in the show notes. It's titled Spirituality in Health and Healing.
1: I'll begin by saying that, that, you know, when I, I mean, I have a bachelor's degree in chemistry. When I was in my 20s, uh, I was just super intense, type A, hyper-focused, pretty successful too, But I mean, zero spirituality. I mean, just you know, I was a huge reader of Ayn Rand back then, and I you know, I just had this thing between that and the science and the chemistry. It was like, man, if you can't measure it or see it, it it just doesn't exist. And all this stuff, you know, God and spirituality and Mm. energy—what the hell are you talking about? This stuff is ridiculous. Uh, So that's the that's the angle I came from, and I think it's important to say that because I would only have changed my view on that stuff if I actually saw tangible results. So, uh, yeah, so, so it was sort of this, that's how it got started. I spent many, many, many years exploring all sorts of spiritual topics and all sorts of things and working with mentors and shamans and reading books and practicing and tarot cards and all these different things that I got into. And I really started to find that like, these are really important, useful things. And I, I believed that what, you know, when I wrote that post, it was really about putting those ideas out into the world. Cause I felt that the the community we're in—the paleo community and the alternative health communities—I felt like we're really hyper-focused on food and supplements and working out, and you know, um, just just this sort of linear, sort of trivial. Stuff and and that these bigger picture energetic things just weren't getting talked about enough and that was my sort of my starting of that conversation and and it had nice feedback too it was really encouraging because I was like oh people read it and liked it <laughs> like you know sure. this is cool this is cool it means there's other people hearing it and that, that see it and, and let's we should talk more about it
0: and you mentioned this winding path towards wholeness. There's many different steps. It's been this 10 plus year process for you in 2004, you actually had ulcerative colitis and talk about this. You nearly died several times. What was that like?
1: Okay. So, so, you know, I'll just briefly set the stage, but I mean, so here I am 28 years old bachelor's degree in chemistry, got a job as a scientist at a biotech company, bought a big house at 28 years old. I, I owned a big house. Um, had a good job, had a, you know, new truck, new motorcycle house is full of Ethan Allen furniture. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm a rock star on match.com. Just, you know, two, three different dates a week. Just, just, just live in the dream, you know? <laughs> and, uh, You know, and so, and then 2004, you know, I was getting kind of starting to get dragged down and stressed and whatever. And, you know, I was doing, I was doing two different martial, you know, two martial arts and then getting, I started getting up at four in the morning to go to the gym. And then, so I'd go to the gym and work out and then like come home and shower and ride my motorcycle to work and then work all day and then go do martial arts. And then, you know, it was like really, I mean, it was cool because I was doing all the things I wanted to do, but it eventually reached this point of being unsustainable. And what ended up happening is, uh, I started a, cause obviously a bachelor's degree in chemistry isn't enough to keep a person employed. So I started a, uh, an MBA at night. So it was within a month of starting grad school and that additional pressure. And I just, my health, my health completely collapsed and it was like, I was fine. And then one day I was at work and I was leaving work to take a motorcycle ride and I went and went to the bathroom and it was just pure blood. And I was like, what the hell is this? And it was from there, it was like within, within a few weeks, I had lost, you know, I was lean. I mean, I was 100, like 180 pounds at 5'9". And I was like, you know, 120 pounds, anemic, almost dead, hair falling out, looked like a concentration camp victim, bloody diarrhea 20, 30 times a day. I mean, just almost, I mean, really, I was as close as you could come to dying from that without actually dying. And, um, and then you're in the medical community and, and i I work for a freaking pharmaceutical company and you're in this medical establishment thing and they're telling, okay, diet has nothing to do with it. There is no cure. There's no cause. There's no cure. It just happens. There's nothing you can do about it. You're going to be on medication for the rest of your life. We're probably going to have to cut your colon out and you'll be pooping into a bag for the rest of your life. And you're screwed
0: at Wow. 30, at 32. The universe gave you a sledgehammer hit. Basically. Do you feel like looking back, do you think that you were just pegging the needle? I'm getting this experience from you that you were pegging the needle in so many ways. You know, the house, match.com, the going for the extra degree and all these different things. It seems like you were doing what a lot of people do in their 20s. And I know I experienced that where we just think more is better.
1: I was only doing what I thought I had to, to be successful. What I thought I was doing is modeling
0: success. And then on that on that same regard, I mean, it's like everybody has their journey, right? Like people that start out in the CrossFit community or the Paleo community, or essentially just in losing weight, they start out with this sprinter's approach. Yep. And what I'm getting from you on this, as you wrote this winding path towards wholeness, the sprinter's approach didn't really work that well for you.
1: No, and I mean, I still try to do it. Um, I've still tried, to, and, and I guess as I've gotten older or as I've gotten more experienced or whatever. If when I kind of started this whole like kettlebell training and the I was doing a ton of martial arts, you know, MMA and BJJ and I was doing all these, these things and I was really actually pretty happy. If I had just been there, written a little more, gotten rid of my house, just done that from 2008 to now, I'd have like everything I ever wanted. But instead it was always, well, I need more and I'm not, you know, it's not, well, I need the next certification and I need this and I need that. Well, I got to create this new thing for my business because what I'm doing now isn't enough. And, you know, oh, well, the house is falling apart. So I got to do this thing on the house and I got to this and you're doing all these things and you're sprinting because it's like, well, you want to get the house done so you can get back to work on your business so you can get back to work with your training. So, you, you know, so you're trying to sprint to get these problems straightened out, but they never really get straightened out and you get more and more tired. And it's like, boy, if I had done... Um, a tenth of the stuff that I was trying to do. If I had just done a few of the really important things really well for a long time, I would be exactly where I want to be. And Mm. I would have been a lot happier on the journey besides.
0: And when you write about practical spirituality, you mentioned, for me, every last bit of this spiritual exploration within my healing journey has been practical. If some good food and extra sleep had been what it took to make me fully healthy again, I likely never would have explored these deeper esoteric and tangential topics. What did you mean by that?
1: Uh, You know, what I mean is that I have only ever done what I had to do or thought I had to do to get where I wanted to go. So in other words, I didn't have this. I, and this is why I sort of at the beginning said, well, you know, I was like the most unspiritual person you could imagine because for me to now be like this Spiritual guy. I was I was talking to a a girl I'm friends with yesterday. We were texting, and she's you know yoga, and she's like very spiritual and energetic. And like I'm feeling her energy. Like we're talking, and I'm like, oh yeah, you know. She's like she said something. I'm like, oh yeah, I could. I know I could feel that. I never wanted to be like, I never had any desire to be this person that went around and like felt other people's energy, you know, <laughs> like that wasn't who I, you know, cause some some of these people, like they're going around, they got crystals hanging around their neck and they're acting all spiritual and they want to be perceived as a spiritual person. I never cared about that. I got into spirituality because from a practical nuts and bolts perspective, it was one of the things I needed to embrace and address and get into and deal with to increase my healing. So, so I've only ever done what I need. If I, could have ta- if I could have gotten sick in 2004 and taken a pill and been better, I would have done that. But it might not have been the best long-term solution, but if, if, that, if any of the medication available at the time, if anything I had been given had worked and not had all the sorts of crazy side effects and all sorts of other stuff, I probably would have just done that and gone back to my ridiculous, dysfunctional life and never known anything. So every change I've made has been because I had to, and it was always like sort of the next viable option to get where I wanted to go.
0: A lot of people listening to the show have dealt with depression or anxiety or burnout. These are just human experiences. There's, I don't think there's anyone that really is a comprehensive human being that hasn't dealt with one of those three things. You've written a lot of work, in Paleo Magazine, around anxiety and depression, specifically your experiences with taking pharmaceuticals, walk us through that process for you. I mean, is that something that you feel really contributed to you going more of a spiritual path now?
1: The anxiety and the depression and the burnout, and you know, they they all sort of have these roots, and there's there's various different ones I could probably nail most everybody's pretty universally pretty quickly, but. Um, You know, we live in very complicated times, very confusing times, where, where, like we were talking you know, in the pre-show, I mean, there's an evolution of consciousness in humankind, in the world, and and Carolyn Mays has actually written about an eighth chakra, so uh, we can talk about the chakras at some point if you want, but basically, in Indian medicine uh, and yoga and that kind of thing, there's considered to be these seven energy centers of the body, the chakras, and they go from lowest to highest, and each one has sort of these dysfunctions and functions and different things associated with it. Uh, so Carolyn Mays has written like that. There's this eighth chakra that humans have access to that is just waking up. Like for the first time in the history of the universe, this eighth chakra is, is becoming sort of available to us as humans, to more and more of us as humans. So, um, we're in this, I mean it's a time, it's not even like, oh, it's a confusing time, or oh, there was a terrorist attack, or oh, the you know, the economy's a little bad or whatever. And then, you know, sooner or later we're all gonna go back to normal. No, it's like this is <laughs> this is a, a, a quantum. I mean, we're at the beginning of a quantum evolution of humankind and everything we know. And um so, yeah, you, it would make sense that we'd be a little confused and a little bit anxious and a little bit depressed. And, and it's just – so it's it's a, it's a this human condition. The other thing is, well, there are more antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications being prescribed now than ever before in history, like, by a long shot. I mean, I never even knew when I was – I don't know, 20. I didn't even know anybody that was, I mean, anybody I knew that was on an antidepressant was like really, really, really messed up and like in a hospital or something. Uh, Now it's, everybody's, everybody's on them. It's like crazy. It's like everybody. And, um, and they, and at the same time, it's like, so everybody's on multiple, like, you know, two different antidepressants and, and an anxiety medication and they're addicted to Xanax and they're drinking on the side and everything else. And they're, everybody feels worse than ever. It's like, I've never known anybody who's kind of been depressed and sort of gone to a doctor and gotten better. It's, it's like they end up getting on one medication and then they're on 10 and they feel worse and they have more problems. And then it's just this really crazy thing. And I can talk if you want me to get specific, but I mean, I went down this road where I was very, I was, I mean, I'd been sick for however many years, you know, 2004. So I mean, by 2009, 2010, I mean, I'd been sick for, you know, six plus years. I, uh, basically threw my entire life in the garbage a little bit at a time and just walked away from everything and and reinvented my life and and have continued every year basically to reinvent myself and my life and, and everything else. And what I found really was that I had to find faith, I had to find spirituality, I had to find this ability to sort of feel these and and deal with these things that most people couldn't even see. I mean, if you've got all these wacky energy things and spirituality things and past life stuff and inner child craziness, you've got all this stuff, and you're like going to a therapist who's going to ask you like, well, do you have any goals? What are your goals? What would you like to do? here's an antidepressant. Like, I mean, you're, you're, Hmm. you're never going to, I mean, you're, it's never going to work.
0: You were taking a specific one, which one were you taking and how did you transition from that?
1: Crazy as it sounds, I was, was actually in 2010, uh, when I was really heavy into CrossFit and stuff, I actually ended up dating a girl who was a pharmaceutical rep for Lexapro, and and she basically, from knowing me and dating me for not very long, was like, "Dude, you're really depressed. <laughs> you're really depressed. You got some issues." And I fought it. I was like, "No, I'm not taking any drugs. That's great. You know, I've spent my life like trying to not take drugs. I'm certainly not going to take drugs." Uh, but I finally kind of, I was in a bad place, and it wasn't getting better. And I was like, "All right, maybe, maybe I don't know." maybe I'm being stubborn. I'll try it. So I went on Lexapro, uh, spent like a year on that. Uh, and actually I should say before that I had had a a therapist, a a psychiatrist who had given me a very, very liberal, almost irresponsible prescription for Xanax, just a massive amount, unlimited refills, just a bucket of Xanax. And I had been taking that and and had never been told like, you, you know, if you take this three days in a row, you're going to be like hopelessly addicted to it. Nobody told me that. So I started taking it. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, my anxiety is 10 times worse. Now that I'm taking the Xanax, I can't stop taking it. And then it's, oh, well, you know, you need to take Lexapro to get the anxiety down so you can get off the Xanax. And what ended up happening is I was on Lexapro and Xanax and couldn't get off of it. And then I'm seeing this therapist and she's like, uh, so it's like, okay, I'm on Lexapro and Xanax. And she wants to start adding like two and three more pills. And I'm like, wait a minute, I started in 2010 on nothing. Now I'm on two and you're talking about two more? And I was, I was done. And I, I you know, said, all right, well, like everything else, I'll do this myself and figure this out myself too. Ultimately, just last year, I got a medical marijuana card and and to the protest of any of these therapists or people I had been seeing. So they had no problem writing me four different prescriptions. They had no problem with me being addicted to Xanax. But as soon as I said anything about medical marijuana, they had a fit. And it was just they wanted nothing to do with it. And when I saw that, when I saw that reaction, just like in 2004 when I was sick and I I told, you know, my gastroenterologist, well, geez, you know, I've been eating this paleo-ish diet and uh, I feel better. He's like, oh no, diet has nothing to do with it. And if you don't eat bread, you're going to like have nutrition deficiencies and stuff. It was the same thing. It's like, so they had this (laughs) like violent reaction against the medical marijuana. And I was like, if they're having that reaction, I bet I'm on the right track.
0: Do you feel like the medical marijuana intervention, has that helped you go away from the Lexapro and from the Xanax or where are you at now in that evolution?
1: Yeah, I'm on, I'm on nothing. I mean, I'm on nothing but marijuana.
0: So you went from essentially addicted to Xanax and then having more pharmaceutical invention that was prescribed to saying to hell with that. I'm going to do something just like I did to heal myself and my GI disturbance and bleeding into the toilet. I'm going to heal myself again. Yep. by taking and empowering my strength from healing myself from natural modalities. Do you feel like that was the shift where you went from Xanax and all these different things to now using marijuana as a healing mode?
1: Well, I was desperate because I didn't feel, and, and you know, when you get it, I mean, for anybody that's been addicted to Xanax or any of these these difficult physiologically addicting drugs. I mean, it's painful. Like you, you basically, you don't want to keep taking it, but when you stop taking it, it's too painful and you have to take it again because it's just too painful. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and I had tapered down, i had gotten off it a couple times and, and ended up back and I had tapered it way down and couldn't quite get it from, you know, I was on four milligrams a day, which is a ton. I didn't even know that. I mean, the doctor gave me four milligrams a day out of the gate with unlimited refills. So it was like, I didn't know. And then later somebody said, you know, do you understand that like people in mental institutions are taking that much? Like, you know, this is not, this is not like a good, you know, this is not like a little, oh, I'm afraid to fly. Let me take a quarter milligram of Xanax once a year. This is like, you're taking four milligrams a day. You're like, this is hardcore. So, I mean, I was so addicted. It was just so painful. I mean, I would within a, I mean, if I didn't take a pill within an hour or so, I would start getting really sick. And, um, it was like heroin, you know, it's just that same kind of thing where as soon as you start withdrawing, you're sick. And actually with Xanax, you actually end up, um, even taking the max dose, your body gets so used to it that even at the max dose, you're withdrawing. So it's wow. like, you're going through withdrawal even when you're taking it. And so that's how people get addicted. You know, then they're buying it they're, They've got three prescriptions going and they're buying it on the street besides, cause they have to keep taking it more and more and more just to, just to stay comfortable. Um, but so I had gotten myself from four milligrams down to like less than a milligram and I could not, this time I could not get from one milligram to zero. And that's when all the, I started, the the marijuana stuff started coming into my, you know, I, these little, little hints would come and, you know, you'd see this, you'd see that, you'd see the other. And I started reading into it and, um, you know, I went and got my card Uh, was basically within, I mean, Xanax is really tough to get off. Some doctors have said it's harder than heroin. And, um, I mean, I went from one milligram to zero in less than a week and and couldn't care less.
0: I almost get this sense from you that this path that you're going on, you call it this winding road towards wholeness. There's, there's pieces of your journey when you talk that come up for me and they're all around using yourself as a healer. You're going through this healing in your own right. Do you Mm. feel like that transfers into your coaching practice? I mean, what type of clients do you attract? Do you attract people that are going through similar journeys that you've gone through? Or do you feel like you just attract people that want general better wellness?
1: I think that the people that I I generally work best with are people who have slightly more complicated or sort of more multifaceted problems where they need to look at a lot of different things. Um, You know, so sort of the person that's like, well, I don't know what kind of paleo recipes to cook, and like, how can I get my, how can I like force my family to eat paleo, or like, how can I eat paleo over the holidays, or that, like, those are not my ideal clients. I mean, the people that I work best with are usually, unfortunately, it's usually people who are already very discouraged and have tried a lot of different things, and they're ready to do radical things. They're ready to really do something because trying to change just a little hasn't worked for them. And wow. so it's like they need this kind of like they you know somebody who like can't stick to like I, I had I have somebody now, like somebody who can't stick to their diet and is like you know she's asking me like what you know what's wrong with me, and how do I you know force myself to do this paleo diet and I'm talking about things like, well you're not very happy in your job and you probably need a complete shift in your employment. And what's your marriage like? And do you do yoga? Do you meditate? Like I'm asking all this stuff and you know, a, a different type of person would be like, well, what does that have to do with paleo? Sticking to the diet's not your problem. It, it, that's not your problem. The problem is you've got all these other things that you have to change. Not a ton of people are, are generally ready to hear that.
0: Oh, so powerful, man. Well, I want to unpack this spiritual practice. This area of exploration. But before we do, I want to just say, Wellness Force Radio. Adam Farah has the background, the education, the uh, time working with clients for years and years. This is not a guy who just uses marijuana or you know does these healing modalities that we'll talk about. Because some of the stuff we're about to jump into could be considered fringe. It could be considered outside the box. But I'll tell you that my experience and and what Adam's about to share. It sometimes takes going outside the box to heal all the things inside that box that weren't working. So it's one thing to have academia and all these things in place. It's another to go outside and explore what really works for individual people. Let's jump into this, Adam. From a spiritual practice and areas of exploration, one of the first things you mentioned on this healing path for spirituality, this practical spirituality, is yoga and meditation. In a minute or so, what do you what do you pull from your experience in yoga and meditation? How has that transformed your life?
1: It's done it's done so many amazing things directly and indirectly. Um, very briefly. I mean, when I had the big house and I had all that stuff and everything, I actually had it it was a three bedroom house and, and I had the middle bedroom was actually empty, other than a mirror and a mantle that I had a bunch of sort of, you know, trinkets and my karate belts and different things on and um that was my like I practiced martial arts in there I did yoga and meditation in there it was like this really spiritual room and and interestingly enough it was actually it was actually the only room in the house that had good energy like the whole house had just this horrible negative energy that I noticed even more when I came back to it but that room had a whole different energy to it and and I remember actually after I moved out and had would would have to go back to the house to check on it once in a while that room uh I don't know where they came from or what it was or anything else, but it was like that um, Amityville horror movie. Uh, there, There were hundreds of dead flies all over the floor of this room. The only place in the whole house with these flies, but it was like, I don't know, it was like these, I don't know what. But the point was that I was doing yoga and meditation in this room every day, pretty much day after day after day for months, And that is when my life started to change. That's when I left the house. That's when I started my blog. That's when I wrote my book. That's when I did everything. And I don't know why. All I know is that when I started doing yoga and meditation every day, all of a sudden the change in my life accelerated. So that's the first thing. The second thing is you you find your body again. You find your body. You find your muscles. You start noticing tension. You notice when there's not tension. All of a sudden you're walking around, you're like, wow. I didn't realize I was really tense except now I'm not tense and now I realize it. And um, you get in touch with your body. You find the inner energy body. You, When you meditate, I, I've had, I don't know how many times, I'm, I meditate after yoga because I can't really meditate before because I'm not calm enough. I need the physical calming of the yoga so that I can do the meditation. And I would just, once in a while, I would be meditating and some like blatant thing that had been in my face for ages that I hadn't noticed would just hit me like, Oh, I'm really unhappy in this relationship. Like, mm. you know, like mm-hmm. wait a minute. Like, you've been unhappy for how many years and now like, you know, in meditation, it just, Oh, I'm really unhappy.
0: Do you think it huh. was the stillness? I mean, what made you, it's interesting. You mentioned that you meditate after your practice? Do you feel like that has worked for you to find these insights, to start your blog? Some people, they just can't sit still. So would you recommend that to people to meditate after?
1: That's what I tell everybody. That's what I tell everybody because everybody, if you can't meditate, there's two things. If you can't meditate, there's two things you should do. One is do yoga first because yoga is a moving meditation. So if you're all nuts and you can't sit still, well, a moving meditation is going to, you're not going to have to sit still because you're moving and it's going to calm you. So it's sort of, to me, it's, it's like, well, I'm moving and I'm moving and not present. Then I'll do yoga, which means I'm moving and becoming present. And then I'll stop moving and be present in meditation. So it's, a step, it's like a, a step-by-step thing. You're not just going from, well, I just drank three, three pots of coffee and ran around for 12 hours in my ridiculous day. Now I have to sit down and meditate. What the hell is my problem? I can't focus. It's like, it's like well, of course you can't. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, so that's usually, the, so the first thing I tell any of my clients when they say, well, I can't meditate, it's like, yeah, nobody can. So so, start with some yoga and then do meditation. That's one. And then the other thing is, is and I'll give you some resources for the show notes and stuff, but some other things you can do is, is guided meditations on a phone. So you can download these MP3. Everybody's got them now. I mean, you can get a, a guided meditation that you like and you throw some headphones on and you sit down and you do the meditation and you let that, you let the person walking you through the meditation, the guided meditation, do the work because they slow you down and they calm you down and they tell you what to focus on. And it's, it's a little bit, it's like training wheels. It's like kind of making it idiot proof.
0: You mentioned working with the chakras as well. This is another, this is kind of point number three in practical spirituality. And this can include, as you write, exploring mythology, symbolism. What has been this kind of chakra exercises that you do? And what are the chakras for people that don't know?
1: The chakras are energy centers within the body. Uh, So if you look at your body, um, sort of the very base of your spine, sort of where you would sit if you were sitting Indian style, that very base seat of your, your body, basically, that's the first chakra. That's, and then, uh, slightly higher is the second chakra. And that's usually the one that's associated primarily with like sexual, if you have sexual overfunction, underfunction, under function, dysfunction, it's usually a second chakra problem. Third chakra in the solar plexus, we're getting into things, um, you know, will and energy and self-will and self-control. And and that's an adrenal thing. If you're having like these adrenal situations, if you're attracted to stimulants, if you're attracted to sedatives, which obviously is one of my big problems, uh, if you're attracted to these things, it's it's getting into the third chakra. Fourth chakra is the heart chakra. You talk about love, codependency, addiction to love. You get into these kinds of things. Uh, Fifth is the throat Six is 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 the head, and then the seventh is sort of above, uh, and that's that's sort of like the universal shared human chakra to a, to a certain extent. Um, but so so it's essentially like if you just okay, let's stop the the spiritual stuff or let's stop the airy fairy stuff and just say okay, look, each part of your body is related to certain aspects of your personality, certain functions, certain dysfunctions. Uh, they're thought of as sort of these interlocking wheels. So, like, if one is spinning too fast, it's going to negatively affect the others. If it's if one is spinning too slow, it's sort of they're they're connected. So they're sort of if they're not all turning in the right symbiotic way, they start messing each other up. Essentially, it's just this way of of thinking about things. So you say, okay, well, either I, you know, either you're like addicted to sex or you're frigid and non-orgasmic. Okay, well. This is the second chakra. So, okay, so it's probably related to this. Now what? Okay, well, you get into, like, different yoga poses that affect the chakras. Well, that sounds crazy. What? How does this yoga thing, how does it affect the chakras? Well, all it is, so, for example, if you go to the fourth chakra, the heart chakra, any of these open chest poses, um, upward dog uh, cobra pose, um, any of these big, open, you know, the back is very arched, the T-spine the is very mobilized, and our chest is huge and big and expanded, any of those yoga poses are exercising the heart chakra. You're putting energy, you're opening, you're opening this heart, you're opening the heart area. So from a very practical perspective, never mind the chakras, it's just, all right, well, here's the heart area that kind of corresponds to this fourth chakra thing, and these poses that open it, Energize it and these poses that close down and and that slows it. So, if you have like an overactive chakra, closing down over it can slow it down and and help it to heal and relax. If it's inactive or less active, or, or if it's deficient, Opening and bringing blood and energy and 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 focus to that area, it spins faster and it it becomes more functional. So so it's very it's just it's really just understanding that there's different parts of our body that correspond to aspects of our lives, to our personalities, to our past past lives if you want to go there. And there's ways to energize them or de-energize if they're over energized. You have to de-energize. It's actually very simple. It's actually very simple. And I think I think it gets too complicated uh, when people get too too spiritual about it. It's like, look, it's just, it's very physical at its base level. I
0: love that you mentioned that there's exercise. This is something that's practical. So the physical terms and the parameters, you can manipulate these.
1: That's the power. That's the power. Because if you know that, okay, I have this problem in my life, it relates to this chakra, and you can go, I'll give you a book. It's Eastern Body, Western Mind by Anodea Judith. It is the premier quintessential best, work on the planet for learning about the chakras. And she's an actual real trained psychologist and it's Eastern body, Western mind. Cause she basically takes the chakras and the Eastern and the energetic and the spiritual stuff. And she relates it to very practical, tangible Western psychological stuff. Mm. And so you can actually go through, she goes through each chakra. She has these tables and you know what they're related to and how they relate and stuff. So if you're having a sexual problem You go there and you say, oh, okay, sexual, that's the second chakra. Obviously, they all sort of interact with each other, so it's not just the second. But, oh, okay, well, I have a very deficient. So for me, like I have a very deficient first chakra, very deficient third chakra. The second one's very healthy, thankfully. Um, And I started as I was working with the second and the third, and they were healing. I felt, I said, I can feel the fourth I can feel my fourth chakra beginning to open because I've dealt with the, the, the first and the third, which were deficient. And so you can look these things up tangible. I have this problem. It relates to this. Here are the healing practices, these poses, martial arts, uh, you know, these particular practices, these particular foods, these particular ideas, these particular types of things correlate to this chakra. If it's deficient, do these things. If it's not deficient, you know, if it's overactive, do these things. Mm. If it's okay, leave it alone and
0: just take care of it a little bit. So there's a path people can go on that involves a physical practice. And I know some of these concepts may be kind of smoke and mirrors for people that haven't explored this yet, but I just want to say- a show like this is so powerful and so different and so tandem congratulatory to the work that people do in their in their nutrition, in their movement practice, in their way of being. We talk so much on the show about behavior change. And the last point that you made in the article in this practical spirituality was around using tarot. And tarot yeah. is is interesting to me. I've never really played around with it myself. How have yep. you seen tarot and and the hero's journey, the the work of Joseph Campbell, this last yep. integral piece of this practical spirituality? How has this really moved the needle for you? I mean, what has this done for you?
1: What I did is I got into uh, tarot just as an explore an exploratory thing, and in fact, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of a, a side anecdote. I when I started working, I, I talk in this article a little bit about this shaman that I worked with. And we, we did some intense, intense work, inner child work. I mean, just, you know, childhood trauma work. I mean, we did some intense stuff and, um, you know, multiple, I mean, I used to do like one to two double sessions a week. So it was up to four hours a week of like really intense spiritual work with this woman. And I would be at the point, uh, it was in West Hartford center in Connecticut and, uh, I couldn't go home. Like I would leave her and I would have to like, you know, sort of drive myself half with my eyes half open, you know, to the mall and like get a coffee and just wander around the mall, like for hours, like just to settle from whatever work we were doing. I mean, it was really intense and, um, when I saw, you know, again, super linear type A, all these things. And I went, when Borders books still existed, I went to Borders and I got a coffee and I was wandering around. And as I always would have done, I, I wandered into the business and marketing section because I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm a business guy. I want to read some business stuff. And uh, I, I couldn't even walk into that section. Like I got physically sick just like going near the business section. And for the first time in my life, I was inexplicably drawn to the spirituality section. And that's when I started. I bought a tarot book, and
0: you bought this Tarot for Dummies. I saw.
1: Oh, it's a great. It's so cool. Yeah, it's a great book.
0: I love how mainstream this is going. This is not as far fetched as people think it is, right?
1: No, I love. I love the the Tarot for Dummies book, and actually, interestingly, there's there's. I won't even start because it'll. It's way too much information, but uh, the chakras and the tarot cards and a bunch of other stuff all overlay. If you look at this stuff uh, in enough detail and for enough time, and I'm not saying. Everybody should, but if you look at this stuff for long enough, you will see that certain tarot cards, certain things, certain archetypes relate to certain chakras, relate to certain life problems, and it becomes very clear. So what I would say as far as your question about, well, how did this tarot thing help you? What it essentially does is it it's all all this... The, the myth stuff and the, the, you know, the mythology and the tarot stuff and the spirituality stuff, it's metaphors. Your, your subconscious, your unconscious, your body, your energy system, all these things that sound I mean it, they sound crazy and out there because we don't think about them in the West. These are very, like simple, tangible concepts. I mean, I can feel my energy body. I can feel when my heart is closed. I can feel when my heart is open. You, I can look at a person and I know if their heart is open or closed. It's not a big deal. You can tell, I mean, what's body language? I mean, I mean we spent, before we, before we were, as children, we were pre-verbal. We could still tell if somebody was aggressive toward us or safe. We didn't, we didn't need to read six books on psychology to know if we were safe or not. And it's, it's the same thing uh, with any of this. I mean, it's very simple what it is. And this is from like a primal standpoint our bodies, our minds, our energy, our spirits, our environment, the earth, everything is speaking to us constantly. We don't hear it. And it's not training ourselves to hear it. It's shutting off all the noise and simply relaxing enough. It's there all the time. It's talking to us constantly. We don't hear it. And we don't know what to do even if we do hear it. So um, it's this idea of the body, the mind, uh, the, the subconscious mind, our, our energetic system, everything sort of, th- these things are more pre-verbal. They speak to us um, through metaphors. So wh- what am I talking about? Well, for example, ulcerative colitis, which is what I had, that is a dysfunction of the, the gut, basically the lining of the gut. If you think about our bodies, our bodies are essentially hollow, in that it starts at the mouth and ends at the anus, and in between, this is like a, a, a hole. I mean, it's a big winding hole, our intestines and everything, but essentially, our mouth goes to our anus, and it's it's a an open path through from top to bottom. So inside, we're hollow. The boundary of the gut, the gut wall, is a, our our internal physical boundary from the world. So if your physical internal boundary is dysfunctional, there's some other metaphorical things going on with your emotional boundaries, with your work boundaries, with your boundaries in life. and so it but it's metaphorical and and you have to get into this when you read myth or you get into the the imagery, like the imagery on a tarot card is very it's all symbols, and so there's a million pieces of information, but it's really just a symbol. There's like a, a picture that you know a picture's worth a thousand words, basically. so instead of reading ten books. You have like this one card that has an image and that will stir things and speak to you in ways that you, you can't intellectualize. Everybody, we're, we're Western. We're trying to intellectualize everything. We're trying to make everything concrete. We want studies. We want science. We want facts. We want chemistry. And there's like this other world that's very metaphorical and very right-brained and very flowing and spiritual and energetic and, and perceptive. And there's all these things that we don't do enough of. And the tarot can start to connect us to that.
0: So cool, man. The last point I want to touch on is you mentioned by understanding the universal patterns and structures from which our individual human life experiences are manifested. I loved how you wrote manifested. We can elevate our consciousness and find greater meaning and deeper understanding of of our circumstances, life patterns, and experiences. Wow, because this is exactly what you talked about when you use the metaphor of the gut lining and the, the mouth, the anus, and our individual expression of the internal boundaries versus the external boundaries. So we know that these spiritual concepts, this practical spirituality, is something that can help everyone if they're willing to go on the journey. And I think, Adam, people reach this point, not in the beginning, That's not my experience. And it sounds like from what you've so vulnerably shared on today's show, you didn't start this up front. This is something that's come to you, this practical spirituality after writing books, after being an author, after going through struggles and trials on your own and in your own life. This is what led you down that path. So if anyone's listening and they're thinking, wow, is this a fit for me? Just that spark. Just that inquisitive nature of, hey, this might be something I want to explore. This could help me essentially change my behavior. This could help me relate to my marriage, relate to my body, relate to the way that I'm being in my life. Would you say that there's a couple things people can do to begin implementing practical spirituality in their life as a takeaway?
1: Yeah, definitely. And and you know, the, the first the first thing I would say is it's great to start off by asking, is this something that can help me? Um, and then I think you have to stop asking that, at least in your head. And, you know, I think so like me with the business section versus the spirituality section. I mean, spirituality-wise, like get a coffee and, and go into a bookstore and, and wander around the, I mean, hell, wander around the whole bookstore. But wander around the spirituality section and see what speaks to you. I mean, it might not be tarot. For somebody else, it might be like Tai Chi, and they get into energy that way. I mean, there's very little if, if if you're if you're a yoga person and you're talking to a Tai Chi person, you're going to have more similarities than differences. You have mm. different words for things, but it's all the same stuff. So, like, the first thing is I think everybody, and that that's, I, I'm not a fan of organized religion. I'm not a fan of gurus. I'm not a fan of any of this stuff. I'm all about, like, taking these pieces from all these different places in your life and all these different sources and all these different things and knitting them into something new that works for you. And so what I would say is, look, go explore. Jump on Amazon. Browse the spirituality section. Something'll speak to you. It may, maybe it's tarot, maybe it's chakras, or maybe you listen to us and you look at the chakra stuff, and something else that has nothing to do with chakras hits you because Amazon shows you stuff you might be interested in. And you go down that route. I mean, I think so being very open to like, ah, oh, what, you know, what could be here? Should you know? Should I think about spirituality a little more? What what would resonate? Because you'll feel it. You'll feel it in your body. You'll feel when something like me. You know, well, the business books were not a fit for me at that point. Hmm. The spirituality stuff called me, and you'll feel it. So you just feel. Well, okay. What what am I interested in? Yeah. Or maybe you were interested in something. Maybe you were interested in tarot when you were a kid, and your parents said you can't make a living at that, so stop it. And uh, you know. And then years later, you pick it up again or something. But. Yeah. So, I mean, I think just exploring really and seeing if what speaks to you or what resonates with you, I mean, that would be the first thing. Yoga and meditation are like the two greatest things in the world you could ever do for yourself. They are the highest payoff, greatest things you'll ever do for your health, for your spirituality, for your mind, for, for, for the world, for the people around you. I mean, it's just like the greatest thing in the world. You know, start a little yoga practice. I mean, you can get it online too. You know, you get one of those things, it's $10 a month or something and you get a yoga practice, try it. Go to a yoga class.
0: Adam, this has been such a cool conversation, man. Really, really powerful in so many different ways and such a differentiation that we don't see in the wellness and fitness industry. But I got to say, some of the things we talked about are more powerful than diet and exercise. So this is the last part of the show, and it's the fun part before we say goodbye. And it's just seven questions for seven top-of-mind answers. It's just the first thing that pops up for you. Are you ready? Yeah. What are three ways of how you show up that are the most powerful?
1: Always always trying to be absolutely authentic or, or as authentic as I can become and, and working toward being uh, more authentic you know, speaking to that, it's, well, uh, if I'm feeling something, honoring that feeling, if I don't like working with a certain person or I don't like a certain thing that I'm doing, not immediately judging myself. and like, what's my problem. Why don't I want to do that? Like actually, "Hmm, I don't feel good about this. Why don't I feel good about it? And that's the authenticity. It's honoring yourself. It's honoring your feelings and it's being authentic to you and then showing up authentically in the world.
0: What is the most powerful book you've read this year?
1: one of the ones was my, my dear, dear, dear friend, Brita Aragon, uh, had me read, uh, a book called fried, uh, why you burn out and how to revive by Joan Borisenko. Uh, that one totally changed my life. And then I think codependency for dummies, uh, this boundary codependency, getting your needs met stuff, which is burnout and which is codependency and all that, 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 that stuff was, was the most life changing this year.
0: From working with clients uh, across the world, what is the number one belief that you love to help people let go of?
1: Probably the, the belief that they need to have a job.
0: <laughs> what do you I mean, mean the, by that?
1: the universal story with people in the United States at least is I'm sick, I'm exhausted, I'm miserable, I hate my life, I can't get my training together, I can't get my diet together, I can't do this, I can't do that. But I work 90 hours a week and I'm stressed out of my mind and there's nothing I can do about it.
0: If you could change just one thing about the wellness industry, what would it be and why?
1: I think it's making things more integrative and, and not so, so divided where everybody thinks there's a, different, there's a different supplement. If you run, it's this supplement. If you don't, it's this. If you do this, it's, you got to eat this food. If you don't do that, you got to eat this other kind of food. and it, It's all divided and it's, everything's very simple and universal. And I think we need to be more integrated.
0: Is there one habit, if you could choose from many, that you think has fostered the most growth for you in your life?
1: Yoga and meditation.
0: And question six, this is my favorite one. Have you seen technology impact your wellness at all positively in the past three to five years? And if so, how?
1: The connectivity and the ability to access information. And the idea is like we're sharing today. I mean, that technology is absolutely incredible for that. And it's, it's changing the world and, and well, it should. Uh, but we, there's a lot of negative things about technology and, and our health too, that we have to look at.
0: And the last question, this is really unique to you and all the clients you've worked with over the past 10 plus years, your own journey. What is wellness? What is your personal definition of wellness?
1: It's health on, on every level. Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. And we have to get all those pieces integrated and they've all got to work together and amplify each other and not move us in opposite directions depending what we're working on.
0: Thank you so much for coming on Wellness Force Radio today. People can learn about you at adamfarrad.com. We'll also link Adam's book, The Paleo Dieter's Missing Link, on the show notes page. You can just tap the show logo if you're on an iPhone right now and discover more about Adam's work and everything he's doing. What are you most excited about for next year, 2016, Adam?
1: Mm. Man, I have, uh, as I was talking about minimizing and I I got rid of so much stuff, I have probably the most, I have the most blank slate to create anything that I want to create this coming year than I've had in maybe ever. I mean, I just have this absolutely blank slate and a, a blank check to go do what I want to do in the world.
0: Thanks for the value that you gave, not just to our show today, but thanks for your contribution, Adam, to what you're doing in the wellness industry and how you're helping to shift people's perspectives.
1: Thank you for all your work too, man. You're, you're doing some amazing stuff right now also.
0: That is a wrap for episode 33. We're also closing down a phenomenal year of 2015. Can you believe that in three days or less, depending on when you hear this episode, that it's going to be a new year? 2016. I remember I was a kid. I used to think that the Jetsons would actually be real life in 2016. Well, technology is taking us that way. We have devices that we wear on a wrist where we can talk to somebody in Australia on. Our phone has more power inside of it than the first spaceship that went to the moon did. You guys, we live in this amazing age where finally technology is giving us our health and our wellness back. No longer do we have to be slaves and automatons. Well, now we get to do what we love and we get to let technology help us to do it. And if you're here at the end of the show, at 49, 50 minutes, maybe on a run, maybe you're on the treadmill, the kids are in the next room, you're chopping carrots, I don't exactly know what you're doing right now, but I do know this. That we have a connection and you're here on the podcast with me because the guests that come on the show and the message of empowering lives through technology means something to you. In 2016, the first two weeks, we are going to have six episodes in our six-part series of Wellness in the New Year. Our first guest is going to be David Zappazodi. He's going to talk about integrity and weight loss. We have Stacey Conlon, a mindfulness expert on stress reduction. Jesse Lawler from a popular podcast, Smart Drug Smarts, is going to come on on the Source radio to talk about cognition and brain health. Allison Schaff from Prep Dish is going to show us how to actually integrate meal preparation into our busy lives. Chris Kelly, a naturopathic doctor, comes on the show to talk about sleep and integrative wellness. Jessica Richman from Ubiome to discuss gut health and how that impacts our mood, our sleep, and how we show up in our lives. I just want to take a second here to give you a massive high five or a hug if you're like me. I'm half Italian and I love hugging, so I'm just hugging you through the phone right now or through wherever you are speaker. But really, I want to thank you so much for supporting me this year. This podcast has been a dream coming for five years and being able to connect and speak to you through this show has been such a blessing. And I have so much extreme gratitude for the fact that you even listen to the show, that you share the show with people that you care about and that you tune in and listen all the way to the end. And just like always, we have treats. So if you're listening and you want to reach out to me, I'll give you a copy of Adam Farah's book. I have three copies available. Just email me the first three people that email me telling me what they would like to see more of on the show. I would love to send you that book right from Amazon to your doorstep. Now you get to go and have an amazing day with all the tools and inspiration you learned today from Adam and every other guest that's been on the show this year. And until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.